I feel drained. I feel numb. The sense of worthlessness. Your ego gets a high from that. Why? Why? I've said this many, many times because we love our pain. Why do we love our pain? Because it's ours. The ego derives its greatest source of gratification in possession. I knew it was so bad was when he hit me in my mouth. And I sat there bleeding for 10 minutes and crying. We forgive not necessarily because they deserve it, but because you deserve peace. To know that you are intrinsically whole, that you were born whole, that your spiritual essence by default is whole. Welcome my friends to today's session. We're gonna be covering an extremely intense, raw and explicit story from a teenage girl somewhere in Europe. Of course, keeping her identity anonymous. I refer to her as X, as always. But she's about 17 years old, and she has reached out to me once before for some very uh, painful, painful negative self-perceptions regarding some sexual abuse she went through as a result of her, a family member, in her much younger teenage years. However, we may get to that later in today's podcast, but it's actually not where we're going to begin today's podcast, as raw as that is, as powerful as that is. She reached out to me 23rd of November, so last week, saying, I just remember what helped was writing to you and getting advice and being listened to. I'm almost 17 now. What feels the most right now is the feeling of not mattering, drained, unlovable, and numb, and yet hurting all the time. In December 2021, I met a boy, and we instantly clicked. And until then, I have always avoided talking to boys in any way, because I was afraid of a thousand ways that would make me feel less good about myself or anything. So when I met him and we started talking, it felt amazing and comfortable, and I fell deeply in love with him, and we got together. We were both 16 at the time. We were together for nine months, and we broke up in October, or I broke up with him. I felt extremely mistreated in the relationship, and I did that even after three to four months of the relationship, but I chose to stay with him because I couldn't imagine my life without him. I mean, he was also a very good boyfriend, but I felt disrespected in the way that he would talk about the subject, that he knew I didn't want to discuss, equal rights, etc. And he would always try to get a reaction out of me, and then he would get angry at me for being sad or having an opinion. And he has always been really controlling, like, where are you? Why did you talk to him? Who are you with? Put your location on right now. But it went bad here in the seven to eight month of the relationship. He would mock me when I was tired from school and work. Oh, it's so hard, cry about it. And he would say I was mentally weak and I deserved to be spoken to that way. But when I knew it was so bad was when he hit me in my mouth and I sat there bleeding for 10 minutes and crying. And he would say, stop that. It probably doesn't even hurt. It was a mistake, but if you can't even take that, how weak are you? My friends also think you are weak for being sad when I tell you to shut up or say things. So we broke up, and I was so happy in the beginning. I was finally free, and I did not feel sad or guilty of nothing anymore. But now, I feel so horrible. I feel a need to get that feeling of the good things back from being loved by someone, and I feel disgusted by myself for the things I would do to feel that way again. I'm so frustrated. I feel like a burden to everyone around me. I feel lazy and careless, and I am embarrassed. And there are some other things, but I have already written a lot. Sorry, I tried to get enough detail out without making it way too long. So I responded to it by saying, thank you very much for the context, X. It's great to hear that you've left what sounds like an abusive relationship. Being so young, it's crucial to process these experiences with love, compassion, and forgiveness. So as not to form dark, limiting complexes for life. So let me ask and help with that by asking a few questions. Number one, to better understand the masculine and feminine dynamic between you two, I have a few questions on your relationship. Were you two sexually intimate? And if so, was it the first sexual partner for either of you? Also, were there any intimacy issues in what you two did together? Part two, who is X? What would it mean for X to love herself? How would she talk to herself? What would she spend her time doing? What would an X who knows herself value the most? 
Take your time in digesting these questions, breathe deeply into the silence and allow the truth to come through. So she got back to me the next morning saying that, well, we were both each other's firsts. And just remember for context, she's late 16, almost 17. So they got together early 16. Actually very similar to me, lost their virginity at 16 years old. She went on to say, I don't think we had any intimacy issues in that subject, but I would find it hard to talk about the things I liked and didn't because he could get offended. So the talking part was just not there. I'm not trying to seem like a narcissist or anything, but I mean, I do love the way I look, like my face and body. It's just what's on the inside I don't like or know what's going on. Know what's going on. By the way, obviously English is not her first language. I mean, I definitely spend more time on the outside than the inside. So it would mean a lot if I felt just as close as good about myself on the inside as the outside. I mean, I don't talk very kindly about myself. My friends also say sometimes, eh, why would you say that about yourself? I know you're joking, but still. So she's describing a lot of self-deprecating mindsets here. I know you are joking still. I like to make many jokes about myself, my childhood and my life daily. The way I spend my time now is sleeping every day after school, working out when I wake up until dinner is ready. And besides that, I ever watch a movie or get high while listening to music until my ears hurt. But if you know I did the things X likes, insert her name there, it would be spending time with her family, especially her aunt and grandmother. She loves laughing and being playful, so doing something fun with her friends. She would definitely test her knowledge on these weird online tests, geography, religion, etc. She would study hard so that she should someday, could someday, read animal medicine because she loves animals and always especially her dog. What she would value the most is probably loyalty, quality time with loved ones, painting. She would love going outside, but not when it's cold. I feel like I answered these last questions about X, in quotes, insert her name. Well, even better than I thought I would. And I feel like you probably think that, well, she has all the answers there for what to do. And I probably think that as well. But I don't feel like the need or the matter, I physically can't get out of bed sometimes and just lay there all day. I guess I don't really care about myself anymore. But one thing I get extremely emotional about is thinking about my younger self when I picture myself at the age of four to 10. I feel guilty and evil and I feel like I've ruined a child. So I got to that last Friday night and I knew I wouldn't be able to record this podcast in response at least until mid next week because I'm, as you can hear in my voice, I'm currently recovering from a little bout of COVID. So my voice uh, got a little bit chalked up. So in the meantime, I wanted to give her a little stabilizing message as I do for, if not clients, but random people that will reach out when it's really of this nature, like very deep, very raw and very vulnerable as well in which that she's opening up to a stranger. So I responded to her by saying this, and I think this is a good, This I'll read this out so you can hear at least how I responded to her initially, and that'll segue us into the full podcast and I'll dip into the moment with you guys here. So I said to her in response to all of that, thank you for being so honest with me, X. I know it's not easy opening up, especially about such intimate things. I hear what you're saying, and you were half correct when you said, well, she has all the answers for what to do. On one half, yes, it's great to hear that you haven't lost the entire connection to your true self. However, that's only half the story. The other half is understanding why you choose to hold on to the darkness. When you say you don't care about yourself anymore, or like you've ruined the child within, this is a self-protection mechanism to avoid addressing your disconnection from true self or, if you'd like, the light within. Simply, we identify with pain as our own, using it to form a pseudo-sense of self which blocks the connection from your intrinsic value, love and light. I'm limited here through type as I don't have you in person slash Skype to observe your unconscious behavior slash patterns when it comes to dealing with questions that poke holes in the dark mask. 
So the best I can do is ask you to question every day. Why do I choose to hold on to this pain? What would it feel like to choose my deepest love? And I'll make a full podcast on this for you in the coming week. Uh, my voice is currently coming from COVID, so please bear with. Yep. And then she got back to me saying, I really appreciate this. And I definitely find it easier to be honest about the questions to you because I wrote to you last time and it helps. So you're not a totally complete stranger. You know about my story. But yes, I'm not the best person to answer poke questions or to get confronted about how I am. I sometimes shut down and physically can either say something or can't speak. But yet I still want the questions and want to talk about, but then I don't want to. It's very confusing. As she alluded to there, she's reached out to me before. And as I said at the beginning of this podcast, it was about some very, very dark, uh, not only dark events in her life, but dark negative self-perception as a result of it. I feel like that's necessary. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to find that post. So I couldn't find the original message thread that I had with her. I think she's since deleted that account. She reached out to me on a new account. But I made an Instagram post on the 27th of March, 2021. You can find it. It's me standing on the jetty. And this, it reads this. A young teen girl recently told me that her dad had beaten and sexually abused her. I've been working on it since. She said she couldn't talk to anyone about it, not friends because it's embarrassing, and not family because they get upset when she mentions it and that they would all judge her for it. She feels deeply sad that it's resulted in her writing to a stranger, making her feel like an attention seeker, but not knowing what else to do. Some of my first words to her, I can only imagine the pain you went through. There's no need to feel ashamed for reaching out. Thank you for being real. We all go through intense experiences in life, and we all need someone to lean on when the shield gets too heavy to hold. While I don't know you or your story, the first thing I have my clients work through when dealing with past trauma is acknowledge and acceptance of what happened. I.e. to acknowledge and to not bury the pain, but to see it for what it is, plus to accept that it's done now. It's in the past. Or we must let go in order to move forward. I've been meditating on her in the ocean lately, and each time the vision is strength, she'll become stronger because of this. I hold her close. I care for you. I feel her pain. I care for you. I look into her eyes. You're not the past. You're only now. And watch as her eyes lift into the sky. My final words to her. It's okay to reach out. When you've been mistreated by a man, it can be hard to see how another man could help you. But I'll always be here for you. The judgment you fear is something I'll wash away because not all men see women as objects or tools to be leveraged. From me and all that I come to learn from me. It's only love, peace, and joy. This podcast is brought to you by BoldDojo.com where you can book one-on-one coaching with myself in order to create action plans, overcome limiting beliefs, destroy negative self-perceptions, and egoic attachments. Have a listening ear to the trials of your life, helping you to move forward. You can also sign up for the free weekly email newsletter, The Bowl Sip. It's just a quick sip of social dynamics and anything I'm exploring on Fridays. Just go to boldojo.com, sign that up. You can also hit up the free resources of wisdom where I drop my favorite books, movies, quotes, anime, documentaries, music, all of that, all at boldojo.com. And if you would like to help support this podcast, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash A-D-A-M-O-O-I. Link is down below in the description. Or you can also donate directly through the website, also linked down in the description. Anything that you guys do donate is always extremely appreciated and just goes back to helping support the show and what I do here. So thank you very much. And if you do get anything from this piece of content, please let me know in a comment down below. I'll do my best to get back to you as soon as possible. And also please drop a thumbs up on the video. It just helps the YouTube algorithm, helps send out the video to more people in the community. And if you find that you resonated, share it with a friend who you think would resonate as well. Let's get into today's show. <laughs>
after having been sexually abused by her father in her early formative teenage years, a very traumatic experience. And it doesn't sound like she had the emotional and psychological support in order to process that and to relinquish that darkness, alchemize into light and to find that reconnection back to true self. So as she described in her message, she went on to form a bit of a dark complex in regards to masculine energy, push it all away. What I refer to as the ice turtle shell mentality, a rejection of masculine energy, forming a blanket perception that no masculine being could ever treat you well or treat you honorably with respect, direct, congruent, authentic, with empathy. Couldn't be because you've had such a traumatic experience. Totally understandable. This is not me judging that. This is just me excavating how that comes to be. Yeah, as human beings, we are heuristic animals. We, we form patterns of decision-making and judgment labeling in order to make our lives more efficient. You know, it's an evolutionarily hardwired process. We can't just go around assessing every single situation based on its true objective merit. Otherwise, we'd probably be dead. Right? If anything, if every time something in the bush moved, we had to ascertain, would that is that a lion? I'm not sure if that's a lion. Right? That would lead to us likely dying. But if we assume that every time something that moved in the bush was going to kill us and that we should back up, we should get ready to fight or flight, that would definitely prepare us better prepare us better ready to be able to deal with the impending doom potentially even if it was just a bird and that's what you find in a very similar psychological mechanism happening here with this girl towards masculine energy which is that i've been burnt by masculine energy once so i'll learn to categorize all masculine energy as potential for burning so i will back away from it not allow it into my life form this ice turtle shell so i don't have to keep making that decision so i don't have to keep reevaluating and reassessing whether masculine energy is deemed worthy to be in my life it is always going to be a potential danger so best not entertain it hopefully that helps you to wrap your mind around these cognitive mechanisms that we go through in life exists on both ends of the scale that's the ice turtle shell lusting firebird is the complete reverse which i discuss in many of my podcasts in which that is just the complete opposite of this girl this girl could have very well flipped to the other end of the scale. She could have very well gone as a result of being sexually abused by her father at 12, gone and said, well, this is all I should ever expect from masculine energy. So now I learned to crave it. I learned to lust after it because it informs my sense of self is now my identity. I expect to be treated like shit. And even that concept of expected to be treated like shit very quickly gets morphed into a concept of this is just what I'm worth. So it's no longer shit. Like if he hits me, if he rapes me, if he talks down to me and degrades me, well, it's what I'm worth, so of course. And so you seek that out, if not consciously, subconsciously. Act and behave in a way that allows for that behavior to persist. Lusting firebird. So you've seen the two different ends of the scales there, and it sounds like she definitely fell into the ice turtle shell mentality. So why I brought that up? Because... She pushed masculine energy away throughout the next four years of her life, but then found herself a, a guy at first, seemed like an upstanding gentleman. 16 years old, fell deeply in love with him, allowed him back in, felt truly amazing to be connected again. But some way through the relationship, you know, they were only together for under 10 months, but she said for the last three to four months of the relationship, it started to really break down. He really started to degrade her, talking badly about her, particularly allowing a pathway for her to enter a form of self-disconnection again. You know, saying that you're weak, saying that, particularly when he hit her and she was bleeding in the mouth, that he wasn't able to take responsibility for his misaction, for his error, and to put the blame on her. 
Now, every time, particularly in all the, and we're going to go through every part of the story, don't worry. So we're starting here. We're just starting at the beginning. When I hear that, when I hear that this young girl who is, for the first time, opening herself back up to the dance of masculine to feminine energy. She's very fragile in that state. Young age, has been abused previously. Very fragile, very vulnerable. I would like to know, I'm going to play both sides here. So as she's listening to this, which I know she will be, you need to steady yourself in this conversation. If you're anyone listening to this conversation, you need to steady yourself as I put forward the harsh truth of things, which is both sides of the situation here. Because the dance is a dance of two people. Any abuse and any trauma incurred, particularly when talking about psychological means that happened this way, someone had to enable it. Someone had to allow for it. And so what I would have asked, I would like to have two perspectives here. On one side, I would like to know how it was that she was showing up in the relationship that allowed him to believe that he could treat her that way. What lack of self-confidence, what lack of boundary, what lack of self-worth emanating from her was not shown so that he would feel justified, able, possessing the ability to be able to treat her so poorly. That's the questions I would ask for her. You know, she might not even have been consciously aware of that. A lot of women aren't. You know, when I look at uh, female clients I've worked with in the past, in which that they have male partners that abuse them, whether it be psychologically or physically, you know, we always have to get to this part of the conversation in which that. So being honest with me, Jenna, being honest with me, Stephanie, what was it that you were doing that allowed him to believe that he could do that to you? How were you showing up in the relationship? What type of phrasing, what type of beliefs had you set? And where was the boundary of comfort within your relationship when it came to those dark behaviors? Oftentimes you hear back, which is that, yeah, it starts small. The seeds are planted early in this garden. The seeds of these weeds are planted early in which that, oh, there was just that one time in which that, you know, he got a bit angry at me and I apologized. I apologized when he got angry at me for no apparent reason. Even just something as subtle as that, as making an apology that was not warranted, apologizing where you should not have apologized, sets up the bridge through which you would walk and eventually burn. Sets up the seed which would one day turn into a weed and destroy this garden that you have. Right? The way that if you make allowances where allowances should not be made, right? your training behavior, training patterns. So we always look at that from a perspective of self-responsibility. We want to, and we're going to go through a lot of principles here. Self-responsibility is what we're currently on, of course, and this already always builds into self-awareness to make sure this doesn't happen again. So you might be thinking if she's listening, I know she's listening to this. As she's listening to this, you might be thinking, why is this so important? Why do we need to go and excavate the past so much? It hurts too much. I don't want to go into this. Well, if you don't want to go into this and this hurts too much, then you will never grow. When it comes to healing the trauma of the past, we must have a full enlightenment, a full illumination of the events, of the people involved in those events, not just the people that were perpetrators of pain, but the people that were enablers of pain. Yeah, The people that we were, that we once were. Because if we don't have a full acknowledgement, if we don't have a full enlightenment of who we were at that time, who the other person was at that time, then how could forgiveness ever be born? Because we're going to get there. We will get there. We will get to forgiveness, no doubt. But the pathway to forgiveness must come through enlightenment. 
it must come to a full understanding and a full acknowledgement of what happened. So when I'm looking at the situation with you, ex, and your boyfriend, for him to be able to say to you, not only to degrade you in front of his friends and saying that you're weak and I'm purposely pushing your buttons and poking at you and testing you, you know, riling you up and got to the point in which that he actually hit you. Listen, that right there, stop right there. I've said this many times. A man that abuses a woman is abusing himself. A man that hits a woman is hitting himself. He is in pain. And that certainly does not justify the hitting or the expression of anger and aggression towards a woman. But it certainly explains it. It certainly explains why. Because if you were to sit down on this couch with me right now, three of my closest male clients that I work with every single week for hours, we've clocked hours and hours, thousands, hundreds of hours, at least hundreds of hours, some thousands of hours together over years, I think all of us would say that just the prospect of hitting a woman is vile, it's disgusting, it's, it turns your skin, it makes, it makes me very aggressive myself, it make, if it, a raw masculine energy arises within me as I think about your boyfriend hitting you, like striking you. I've never struck a woman in my entire life, I never will. The concept is disgusting. And it's really a pure form there. So, so for a sixteen-year-old to do this, and yes, mistakes could be made at younger ages, absolutely. But still, still, just, just, it's one thing to strike a young girl who is in your position. And this is something else I would like to know, Miss X, which is how much did he know about your past trauma? Because I'm factoring into this that he does know and he did know about your past trauma in regards to your sexual abuse from family members from your father. So here we have an interesting part of the, co- the conversation and an interesting part of the podcast in which that, let's say he didn't know about that. Let's say you kept that hidden. It still doesn't excuse the behavior. It still doesn't justify it in any way, shape or form, but it doesn't make it as bad. It's still bad, but not as bad as compared to if he does know the fact that you have been sexually abused by another male and then he went and physically abused you, that makes it even worse. That makes, you see what I'm saying? It makes it even more intense. It's just a point of interest from a coaching perspective. Again, a full illumination. I want to know what he has available to him in terms of information because I'm in this podcast, I'm playing both sides here. I'm playing both understandings here, trying to put myself in both shoes. Moving forward. To settle this particular point here, which is that, and the reason why I brought it up, is that it wasn't just so bad, it wasn't just so uh, unjustifiable, unacceptable that he struck you, but the fact that when he did strike you, he tried to rationalize it as that, you know, that couldn't have hurt, in your words, that couldn't have hurt that bad, you're just weak. Whether it was a fairy touch, or just a, a slightly above average brush, you know, maybe he didn't intend to hit you with the knuckle, or with the elbow, he didn't intend for it to be that hard, but it just ended up coming out that way. Whatever he's going to, whatever, whatever rationalization he's going to put there, the fact that it happened, the first words that should come out and the only words that should come out from a male perspective is I'm sorry. I am deeply sorry. I'm, I was just about to imbue him with ethics and principles that he clearly does not have, but not only I'm sorry, but I didn't mean it because I don't know if he did, if he meant it or not. Listen, hopefully he's not that barbaric. Hopefully he's not that satanic in which that he would actually intend to want to cause harm. 
Most human beings are not that way. But what we are sensing here is a very insecure male. What I am feeling here from his perspective, we can get to offer a little light onto this, is that a male that enables the degradation, self-degradation on his feminine partner's perspective, that he allows the pathway for her to question herself, to question her own strength, her own value, her own principles, but actively does it himself, if not psychologically, but definitely physically. What you're sensing there is a position of power, what you're sensing there is a grab for power, what you're sensing, and why, why, by the way, why would someone take advantage of that? So, this is perfect. In my sexual experience, you know, being 29 years now, I've been with several girls that have been deeply traumatized, deeply sexually traumatized. Women that have been raped, if not by random strangers, by best friends, by family members. I've had sexual relationships, if not in open long-term relationships. What should I say there? <laughs> open and long-term relationships, open and exclusive relationships, you know, across many different fronts. So I have a good deal of experience. I know what the look in the eye is when a woman tells you that I've been raped, that I've been abused, that I've been traumatized. I know what that feels like in the moment as a male hearing that, feeling the welling of fire within you, the deep, deep sorrow, the deep empathy, the beating of your heart as a woman confesses to you all of that which has plagued her. It's moving in the least romantic sense. It moves you though, in the most powerful sense. When a woman can be so open and trusting within you. So this is again, I'm having to, I don't know if the boyfriend knew this or not. But even so, even so, even if he didn't know that, this is where him being young, I have to give him a point. I have, not a point, I have to give him a slight pass just in his ignorance of what it means to observe female behavior. He doesn't have another 13 years of deep social dynamic practice as I do. So for example, Ms. X, what I'm trying to say to you here is that because I've been confronted with women of a very similar nature to you, very similar nature to you actually, that have been sexually abused at the same age that you have been sexually abused, that it didn't take a public confession from them for me to detect that something was wrong. As we entered our first sexually intimate moments together, you know, as I had to say, the EVT, eyes, vocals, touch, on the lowest levels, how we always begin the dance of sexual energy in, in uh, connection with each other, in which that, you know, you, how well do they hold their eye contact? How well do they mirror eye contact? Their ease with their eyes, their vocals, you know, the softness, the change in pitch, pacing, timing, silence. Can they allow for these things? Can they allow for, you know, a subtle sultriness to communicate their raw vulnerability, their romantic desire? Can they use touch in a way to communicate how they feel? Are they, I said the word before, barbaric? Are they barbaric with their touch or are they refined? Can they elicit a response create a dream with the way that they touch in not so obvious ways and maybe very subtle ways the dragging of a fingernail the using of the tongue the cool gentle ear the cool gentle air brushing your ear these subtle things on the lowest levels what i'm talking about here evt if something is off 
in that, I just painted a really nice picture. I'm sure that I got everyone a little bit, uh, a little bit humid, huh? A little bit light, a little bit humid. But if there's something off in that balance of eyes, vocal, and touch when it comes to sexual progression physically, in the physical space, then that should signal to a male, and of course always signals to me now because I'm deeply experienced in these matters, that something is amiss here in this woman's perception of sexual energy. And there's only one way that a woman's, okay, there's more than one way. There is one very obvious way, one very likely way that a woman's misperception of the dance of sexual energy, if she's stunting on the eyes, on the vocals of a touch, if there's something broken within her progression there, if it's clunky, if it's not not just clunky because she's in her first sexual experience, but just clunky because it feels like she's holding something back, she's worried about something that isn't present, that isn't there, at least not with me yet. I need to find out why. I need to understand why. Because if she's not comfortable, how can I be comfortable? This is where this is what the male mind should be going through. If she's not comfortable, if she's not loose, then she's not trusting. Why is she not trusting? Let's find out. Not in a judgmental way, but let's find out. Because I want to understand you. I want to know you better. The more I know you better, the more I know myself. Because at the end of the day, what are we doing here? Miss X, at the end of the day, why do human beings get into relationships? What is the purpose of a relationship? purpose of a relationship is to learn. Learn about yourself in relation to others. Learn about life. Learn about the brilliance of what you could experience in this moment in time, in this rare moment of time, to learn. And in learning, you will grow. In learning, you will grow, you will grow, and you will mature, not only in social skill, in emotional skill, but in love, peace, and joy. That's the vision we hold when we enter relationships. So getting back to the point here is why I said I had to give him a slight pass in that if I, it doesn't quite work because I'm, I'm too old to be sexually engaged with you. Obviously you're only not even 17 yet, but let's say you were two more years older. Let's say you were at least of sexual, uh, legal sexual age here in Australia and somehow we got into an interaction with each other when I sensed that you were, just to make this analogy work, and I sensed that you were stunting in some way, shape, or form, even if I didn't know what it was, I would endeavor to find out. That's what I teach all my clients. That's what I teach everyone throughout these years of podcasting, is that as a masculine being, we endeavor to find out when a woman is presenting with mistimed social cues, misaligned social cues. I just want to understand you better. We don't need to do anything more tonight. We don't need to have sex tonight. So what I'm saying here is that if this young boy was socially well-trained, he would have detected a subconscious cue in her because if it's her first sexual experience after having been sexually abused by her father, there is no no mistake in my mind. Like it's a 99.99% confirmation that she would have shown some form of social limitation when it comes to a social cue. When it comes to her eye contact, vocals, or touch, she would have shown some form of reluctance, reticence, some form of discomfort, and if not discomfort with him, just I need to slow it down here a little bit more than the average person. And I'm sure she's listening to this. She may not even, and a lot of the time she won't be aware of this. She might be if she's done a lot of internal self-work, but a lot of women are not even aware of this. How about this for an example? 
there was a woman that was about, what, two months ago now that I met on the beach and we went for a walk on the beach and at the end of this walk, she'd been opening up a lot and she was clearly very attracted to me. I was not really that attracted to her, but I like talking to people on the beach. So I'll talk and walk for, you know, a session here or there. And at the end, uh, I went to hug her. And I think I mentioned this on this on the in a, in a bowl sip article once. And I remember telling her that her hug felt like nothing. Like literally, like her. If my hug was like just like a general, like I'm a pretty, I'm a very good. I like I like hugging. I'm a big hugger. I'm big on hugging. Hugging long as well. Hug longer. Hug stronger. Give that six seconds. Heart to heart. But I noticed that her hug was barely a leaf in the wind. It was so light. And I gave her this feedback and just said to her, just so you know, like. Yeah, you don't seem very comfortable with hugs. And she was like, what? Like, what do you mean? Am I, that wasn't really a hug. That was like, I could barely feel any energy from you. And she goes, I thought my hug was really good. Uh, by the way, she's like uh, at least late 30s, maybe early 40s. And I'm like, yeah, I started to tell you, but it's not. <laughs> I, just re- I just could not feel that. What it tells me is that you have some subconscious block when it comes to intimacy. We left it there. She went away. She went and had a session in the shower. She cried. She told me this later on, the next time we saw each other, that she realized that after hearing my feedback, which was not judgmental or it was not uh, spiky, it wasn't me trying to ignite her or to infl- inflame her. He was just giving her the feedback. She went home, thought about it, cried in the shower about it because she realized that she had been holding back her sexual energy all this time. Well, she, she knew that she had more. She had more potential to be more open, more free. And so the next time she saw me, her hug got 10% better, a little bit better. She was very thankful. She was very grateful for that. So the reason why I brought up that story was what you're consciously aware of and what you're not. So as Miss X, who's young, 16-year-old, almost turning 17 now, this is not an age-based thing. It's not just because you're a young girl that you may not be aware of the fact that when you were going through your first sexual intimate progression with this younger male, that there were social cues that were leaking from you. We call it subconscious leaking, in which that you were like, and that's, and the only reason why I'm bringing this up, because I'm explaining tangent after tangent here, the reason why I brought that up is because that's what he should have recognized. Now I say that's what he should have recognized because in the perfect world, yes. In a perfect world, he would have seen from her that, because I, I, like I said, I wasn't there. Obviously I don't know this, I've never physically met this girl but I can't see a situation. I can't see a probable situation. Like I can never be 100% convert, but I can't see a probable situation in which that after having been sexually abused the way that she was and then rejecting masculine energy for the next four years and then in the first sexual relationship that she gets into with this guy that she falls in love with, that there wasn't some form of resistance that she would have had to move around, move around, have to let go of. That's all I'm pointing towards here. That's all I'm pointing towards as we're excavating every little aspect here. I think this is good. If you want to get a Kappa lesson on this, the Kappa lesson of this point is if you're a masculine being with a woman, you don't need to know if she's been sexually abused in the past yet. You definitely need to know at some point in the relationship. But if it's on your first version experience, if you're just attuned to the moment, because I'm aware that most of the people listening to this podcast are males. So if you're just attuned to the moment, slow down, slow down, breathe, observe her, feel her, feel all of her. Feel her heart rate. Feel her breathing rate. You know, when a girl is uncomfortable sexually, 
her heart rate will be through the roof and not because of the animalistic sexual nature of things because you shouldn't even be there at that point. Right? You should have already synchronized between the way that you breathe and the way that your hearts feel right, before you even start to go into penetration, particularly at a young age, particularly if you are noticing that maybe her social cues are a little bit off, her physical cues are a little bit off, her EVT is a little bit off. That would give you a clue to understand why, to endeavor to understand why. So moving through this now, moving further into the story here, but this is, where this, pod, this is what the podcast is. I like to dive into all the social dynamics of things. So relationship was corrupted at a certain point. His young prince mentality is very narcissistic, very self-serving, very self-absorbing, started to manifest. What does that mean? He's in pain himself. So Miss X, this is where we start to open up the pathway to forgiveness here. I'm not sure what you have come to in terms of your work regarding your relationship now, because I know that you've left it, but I hope that you can find forgiveness for him. Stage one of forgiveness, not necessarily because they deserve it, but because you deserve peace. We forgive not necessarily because they deserve it, but because you deserve peace. For this young boy to have degraded you in the way that he did and to hit you the way that he did, He's in pain. He was in pain. He likely still is in pain. What he's expressing there is a deep disconnection from himself, right? a deep lack of self-love and acceptance for himself, a need to exert power is because power has been taken away from him inside. He lacks power inside of himself. And so you see this clamoring, this, this clambering, I should say, this seek to validate himself, to feel powerful himself unable to recognize the fragility within his own spirit what event led to that i absolutely have no idea of course you might you might knowing him better than me he might not have even shared that with you he might not even know it might go well back to when he was an infant likely most likely when he was three seven years old there may have been a situation likely a situation in his life where he was disempowered physically psychologically and so now has fallen into this pattern of behavior in which that he has to seek a reclaiming of that power by taking it from others. That's just the way that he's manifesting his behavior. You couldn't have known at the time. Like you fell in love, absolutely. Right? And it took a little bit of time to get to know who this person was. Hey, that's life. That's life. I've said this before. The love is worth the burn. The love is worth the burn. I think it is much better to remain an open heart in life, even if it means, yes, you are viable and vulnerable to being burnt because the love is worth the burn. You can only control your 50 in life, your 50 being your 50% of an interaction. Two people, your 50, their 50, makes up 100. You can't control their 50. At best, you can influence it and inform them as to how they can best bring their 50 Right, just give them an idea of what that would look like. Hey, this is how I'd like you to treat me. Hey, this is how I'd like our relationship to work. And then I would like to hear what you think about that. And then if we find a synchronicity, that might be a good idea for us to progress and learn, learn together. But you would never be able to dictate that for them. That has to come from them. So why not remain an open heart? Why not remain open to love despite the fact that, yes, an open heart can be hurt and an open heart can be burnt? But what other life would you rather live? What other life would you rather live if it is devoid of pain? I should say devoid of love that could one day incur pain. 
A life that does not have opportunity for love, that's not life. That is a shell. That is an empty vessel that holds nothing. It carries no spirit. It covers, it, it will take you nowhere. That vessel will take you nowhere and it will take no one with it. So you'll forever remain adrift throughout life, devoid of love. And you will look back on your life and you'll say, what did I just do? What did I just do? You might make it to 85, 90 years old. And if you continue maintaining and for anyone continuing to maintain a mentality of that, I will not allow love back in. And let's not get confused here on what kind of love we're talking about because this does not just apply to allowing an external love to come in from a romantic partner or from a friend or from a close relative, but the love that you hold for yourself. What's said for the love that you hold for yourself? What kind of life would it to be have lived if you make it to 80 or 90 years old and you had not loved yourself? And not in this conceptual idea of having loved yourself, because what does that mean? What does it mean to love yourself? Well, if you start at the conceptual idea of meaning to love yourself, what that means is to accept yourself for all of that which you are. To accept yourself for all of that which you are. To not seek a validation from outside of yourself. To know that you are intrinsically whole, that you were born whole, that your spiritual essence by default is whole. And if you had lost your way, you must simply return. Not an additional process, but a returning process. May you subtract the inadequacies, the limiting beliefs, the negative self perceptions, and the egoic attachments of your life so that you may return to the wholeness within. What it means to love yourself. This is the conceptual idea, the conceptual understanding. To value and respect yourself to the highest degree. Because you know that if you can't do that for yourself, you surely can't do that for another. If you don't love yourself, how can you love another? What kind of life would you want to live? This is the concept of loving yourself. And then we break down that conceptual understanding to an embodied understanding, a deep felt understanding that exists within you. For you must move beyond the words and the fingers pointing at these ideas and these concepts because these ideas and concepts are not truth. Truth is what exists when you feel it within yourself. Whether you use the word love, Use the word God, use the word spirit, source, Tao, Dharma, Samadhi, whatever you would like to use. It doesn't matter. What matters is the intrinsic feeling, the embodied feeling deep within your center, deep within your centered energy, the core of who you are. Through a deep, deep breath that is held and then very slowly released and then emptied out to hold and sit in the emptiness. We've been doing this every one of the last podcasts and now it is time to do that. For if you have not experienced self-love, you will in the next moment as you follow along. You're going to breathe in as deeply as you can in three, two, one. Hold.
and release. Let it sit empty. And breathe again. Repeat that 30 times over. Four seconds in. Hold. Seven seconds. Release. Eight seconds. Let it sit empty until you need to breathe again. Within that breathing, maybe it takes you 29.9 times of doing that. And finally, at the very end, you ceased all thought in order to experience love within yourself connection within yourself truth within yourself choose your love choose your truth choose the moment at hand now find it within your breath yeah these distractions like social media bullshit processed food bullshit ways of thinking self-degradating ways of thinking these limiting beliefs these self-inadequacies these things that you say to yourself miss x about i feel drained i feel numb right the sense of worthlessness within you, right? This is all self-lashing. And you get a high from that. Your ego gets a high from that. Why? Why? I've said this many, many times because we love our pain. Why do we love our pain? Because it's ours. The ego derives its greatest source of gratification in possession. The ego must possess. It must possess and its stature is built upon possession. The cars, the money, the sexual experiences, right? The validation, the social stature, the stature in the minds of the people around us, how people think about us. And any pain that is incurred along the way, while on the conceptual level, on the surface level, it does not seem like it is something that you would want to hold on to because surely your pain limits you. And yes, it does. But at a much deeper level, the pain also forms who you are. What I'm sensing in your message here, Ms. X, is that whether you're aware of it or not, it seems that you're not. Maybe you are, but it seems that you're not in which that you are using pain to create your identity. Particularly when, I'm just going to go back to the message here, particularly when I asked you, who is X? What would it mean for X to love herself? How would she talk to herself? What would she spend her time doing? What would an X who knows herself value the most? So as you responded to those messages, X, you continued to speak in third person. So she said, but if you know I did the things X likes, it would be spending time with her family, especially her aunt and grandmother. She loves laughing and being playful, so doing something fun with her friends. She would definitely test her knowledge with these online weird tests. She would study hard so that she could someday read animal medicine because she loves animals, especially her dog. What she values the most is probably loyalty, quality time with loved ones, painting. She would go and would love going outside, but not when it's cold. I feel like I answered these questions about X, well, even better than I thought I would. So what I'm sensing there is a disassociation from who you are, that true disconnection from self, forming an identity. And so if that's not there, because the fact that you remained in third person, X, that you kept talking about, and this, I will say this could be a potential language barrier because I know English is not your first language, but I think it's more than that. I think it's more than that because it's just, it's so obvious that everything went down to a separation of who you believe yourself to be, who you believe X to be, that you don't associate as a full harmony and synchronization between who you are and who you feel you are inside. And where that separation comes from 
is pain. The egoic sense of pain. Because it is a best case scenario in this life when we consider the ego, if we have any harmony with it. Those who are extraordinarily narcissistic, sociopathic, form a complete 100% congruence between their ego and their sense of true self. It is inseparable. But for most of us, most human beings have some form of incongruence between those two concepts that we know. Most human beings, well, socially just human beings, know that their ego can't be all of who they are because it is so volatile, it changes so much, and that which changes cannot be true. As Lao Tzu in the Tao Te Ching once laid down 2,500 years ago, and a very pervasive concept in Zen philosophy, that which changes cannot be true. That which is true is that which does not change. Your ego is constantly changing, constantly morphing. Whenever pain arrives, it loves to hold on to and requires great training to be able to relinquish. But then again, you, just, you see the sense of egoic transformation throughout the entire life as what it will be to embody a human mechanic. But the truth, the truth of that which you feel inside, when we took that deep breath before, that deep inhale, and you held it, you let it slowly go, and then you sit that emptiness, that was truth. If you really tapped into that moment, that's truth. When you feel that emptiness, emptiness spurring on fullness, In the emptiness, when you find your, the fullness of who you are, that truth, that undying truth, that connection to an eternal source which cannot be and will not be misaligned, deformed, broken. I've said this before spirit takes damage. I use that term sometimes. The spirit took damage in that, like when someone makes a mistake. Right now, Miss X, your spirit's taking a lot of damage. But what that means, it's a, it's a nice phrase, but what that actually means is that there's a lot of shit covering the diamond of your spirit. For I feel that as human beings, we are all born with pure diamond spirits. And it is throughout our lives that we will come to have to come to with the passing of pain, trauma, mistakes made. I feel like it is, if not one of the foremost purposes of a human being, is to learn to incur pain, trauma, mistakes, and to rectify them and to let go of them, to forgive them who you were and to move forward, to maintain the state of pure clarity of that which your spirit is, and so that you could give that purity to another, so that we could all reflect light, purity, love, simplicity beautiful truth to each other, reflecting that onto all of us, but it requires a reduction and a removal of the pain, of the darkness, of the deep shit dwelling and encapsulating the spiritual diamond that is embedded within you. Such as your, if you would like to use the word karma, right? your karma, your work, your lesson, your growth, the pain you'll have to learn through. And I see this within you, Miss X. I see this within you. I can feel this within you because even in the way that you talk, you talk as if you are not yourself. You talk as if you are this egoic pain body, this this painful identity which your ego has identified from 
of course, stimulating and stimulating from the point of which you were sexually abused in your early teenage years to now being physically abused and to being psychologically abused by your boyfriend. That's a lot of darkness covering the spiritual diamond. That's a lot of pain covering it. But it must be worked through. So you say that you wake up feeling dejected, feeling unmotivated to get out of bed some days. That's not you. That is your ego. That is your painful identity. The identity of the pain with which you identify with to inform your ego. Yeah, that ego is rather heavy. Rather heavy, hard to lift. Hard to lift. If you were my girlfriend, right, if we were 16 years old together right now, as a young boy, I would find it very hard to interact with you. Yeah? Because you find it hard to interact with you. As a 29-year-old, with the women that I have come into contact with since leaving high school, that have had similar levels of darkness and pain covering the beauty of which that their diamond is, spiritual diamond is, it's not easy. It is very hard to uplift someone who doesn't want to be lifted. But such is the prerogative incumbency on males, which is to uplift their feminine beings. Apart from the biological needs of procreating, creating children, being a supporter, being a provider, providing safety, not just physically, but psychologically, it's all well and good. On the deepest level, to give love, peace and joy, to uplift your feminine partner, to make her feel as though she's seen, understood, to hold her without grasping, to feel her without needing, to see her without looking, to die with her while living. Incumbent upon the masculine energy it is to provide this for his female, and likewise, and vice versa, by the way, if you are a female listening to this, and vice versa. These are human principles. But of course, I'm a male, so I'll speak from my perspective here, which is that, and coming back to the point of where I was just on, it, was, it would be very difficult, I would acknowledge. In fact, even me now as a 29-year-old speaking to you right now, if you were just a couple years older and say we were in a romantic relationship, the first thing I'd be saying to you is that, well, the first thing I'll be working with you on is that I would like you to create a relationship with yourself. Could you begin that process? In this podcast, I'm speaking to you as a coach. But I'm also trying to play different roles here for those who are listening, who are not you and I. So while I'm having a conversation with you, Miss X, I'm also having a conversation with the people listening to this, saying that the way that I would begin this, if I actually met you in the real world and I was of the similar age to you, I'd be saying I'm sensing a disconnection in the relationship between who you are and who you think you are. Let's start reconnecting that. Let's reconnect that process. How do we do that? We recognize and acknowledge the ego for what it is. Particularly your ego, Miss X, which seems to be heavily dependent upon and heavily informed by its painful experiences. To let go of that pain. How do we clear the dirt surrounding this spiritual diamond within us? We need to forgive it. I said we'll get to forgiveness and here we are. For if you cannot forgive, you cannot let go. 
step one, stage one, I was beginning to get into this. We must have got on a major tangent earlier in the podcast. For those that think it's impossible to get to forgiveness because of the atrocities committed upon them, well, then don't forgive for them. Forgive for you. As I said, we forgive not necessarily because they deserve it, but because you deserve peace. That's stage one of forgiveness. As you mature and as you grow, and if that helps you to just begin the process of forgiveness, which I found for most of my clients who have been physically sexually abused before, it is a great entryway to the room, great doorway to the room of forgiveness. Just to forgive because you need to move on. As you mature emotionally and as you grow more emotionally, you start to find actually an analogy between your spiritual essence and the perpetrators. You start to find an understanding in our human condition, which is imperfection. No one is removed from making a mistake. No one is removed from making mistakes out of pain. You may one day find yourself in a similar point of pain, place of pain in which that you inflict pain on another that you did not intend, at least not consciously. We cannot make gods of ourselves. We cannot remove ourselves from the process of making mistakes. We are all imperfect. And as you start to recognize that about the human condition, and then you start to recognize that, oh, that person is just like me. That person came from the same source as me. Whether you want to refer to that as a Christian source or a Muslim source or an Asian source, whatever source you want to label it as, I don't really care. But what I do care about is that you recognize that we all came from the same one, the same thing. Whether you just want to think it's an accident of combusting stars, stardust from billions of years ago and a combustion of planets. Okay, okay. Please, by all means. But as long as you come to a position in realizing that your next door neighbor, your mother, a random man on the bus, you all came from the same source. So forgiveness, because I recognize we are all one. Forgiveness because we must be able to let go in order to move forward. Forgiveness because we all came from the same source. Forgiveness because we are of the same nature. And we are each here to learn our lessons in this time. Whether you believe we're on a karmic thread or not, I discussed in many podcasts, it doesn't matter. But if you could for a moment play along with my metaphor here, in which that we are each here in this life to learn the lessons that we need. As this bonsai tree on my table is here to learn this lesson, so am I. And as you, Miss X, are listening to this podcast, so are you, here to learn your lesson. And if you could step back for a second and ask yourself, what lesson is it that I need to learn right now? Well, it seems that I have a disconnection from who I think I am and who I actually am. And it seems to be born from a point and a configuration of pain as an identity. So, logically, I must do everything I can to acknowledge what pain exists within me, whether it's the pain from my childhood, whether it's the pain from this boyfriend, whether it's whatever, what else, throw out everything else you want to put in there. I'll acknowledge it all, accept it all. I'll forgive myself for the person I was at all of those stages, whether it was because I enabled the pain or whether I was not strong enough to reject the pain or to resist the pain. Whoever I was at those stages, I will forgive whoever that person was. And not only myself as to who that person was, but to the perpetrators themselves. I will offer a blanket forgiveness, a true forgiveness, which does not mean that we forget. Always forgive, but never forget. We always remember the lessons of the past in order to set boundaries, to remind ourselves of what we are deserving of, what we will allow in our lives, so we do not incur the same behavior again, of course. 
if the wolf if the wolf enters your chicken barn once and destroys a clock, a clo- sorry, I should say a crop, a flock. Uh, we do not casually let the wolf in again. Right? We make sure that there are boundaries set up around our chicken coop. <laughs> it's a rather, it's a rather graphic visual, I know, but it serves the purpose. I'll work on a better one next time. You know what I'm saying here? What I'm saying here is that we don't allow the wolf back in the front door again. So, allowing for this blanket forgiveness and making sure that we resolve the pain, the pain of the past, right? that has to come through forgiveness. Because that pain is heavy and it is dark. And if it is not alchemized into light, it is, it is not enough. It is not enough to go and acknowledge and accept all the pain and to just let it be, to let it continue to fester and to continue to persist within your spiritual being. If you acknowledge that there is pain within you, you must alchemize it. And the only path to alchemization is through forgiveness. If you cannot forgive the pain of the past, you will never move forward because you will not let go of it. So let go of it by forgiving it. However you get there, deep breathing, deep yoga, deep movement, anything that disconnects you from your conscious egoic mind, any subconscious play, whether it's playing music for you, whether it's getting into a deep cold shower or a deep ocean cold plunge, deep sauna, you know, all these things, even for even deep sexual connection that doesn't necessarily have to involve penetration, but just being held by a member of the opposite sex and sexual polarity in which that you know, it's deeply healing. You know, there is actual therapy based on this in which that, you know, just hugging therapy, which that men that have been, you know, traumatized by feminine energy go to these female therapists that just hug them for like 60 minutes straight. I've, I, there is a literally a supporter of this channel that has emailed me once because he went through this exact same therapy and reported great benefits. There's equine therapy in which that you use horses to, you learn to guide horses through hand, hand signals and gestures and painting your or reflecting your behavior off of the horse and their pure reflection of whether you're anxious or not and working through all these different mental problems with horses. I haven't done that, but I've seen a bit about that. And there's so many psychedelics. There's so many different routes, paths that you can help to facilitate your healing. But at the end of the day, you know what it all comes back to? You. Connecting to you. So what I'm trying to paint out for you here, very in a very nice, simple painting here, is that who you are is that eternal, brilliant, beautiful, loving, peaceful, joyous source. A diamond, if you will. On top of that diamond is a pile of darkness, a pile of shit, identified as pain, attachment to either the past or the future, a disconnection from what is underneath the presence of now. You must do work to forgive all of that pain so that it may be alchemized into light, relinquished. And so you would return back to who you are. And so your thrive for life, your zest, your spice, your drive for life. Miss X, it's not that you don't have drive for life. It's that it's masked is covered up, is weighed down by the pain you choose to hold. It's not that you don't have the ability to love and to love fully and to love openly. It's that you don't allow yourself to for the pain that you choose to hold instead. I said to you the two fundamental questions before. Number one, 
what pain do I choose to hold on to? Number two, why don't I choose to access my deepest love? Those two questions right there. This is a combination and an equation of pain and love. Pain and love, pain and pleasure, similar wordings, same, same meaning. And it is my absolute hope, my absolute hope, and I send you the love in this moment, that you come to realize that as a young 17-year-old girl, you did tremendous. You did so well. At such a young age, after having been sexually abused and traumatized earlier on, to re-engage with masculine energy and to do your best to fall in love again. That's amazing. That's amazing. You have no idea. Yeah, I'm not sure how I'm not sure if you have idea. You probably don't because you're not a male. But I can tell you from a male perspective of how many women that I've met that have had a very similar story to you that took them way longer. Took them a lot longer to start trusting masculine energy again. And that's not even considering the women that went on the other spectrum, the other end of the spectrum, in which that they became lusting firebirds. So they started using masculine energy as a masking, as a cover-up for their true identity. So they attached who they are. They said that they gain now validation from excessive masculine energy, no matter how poor the treatment, and which is just as bad as completely rejecting masculine energy altogether. They're both broken. So the fact that you, this is what I said to you in my message at the end, that I know that there's light that exists within you. And because that's a general thing, right? It is, it is a general thing with me. Hang on a second. It's a general thing to understand that all of us exist within light, that we all possess light itself. We simply need to return back to it. We simply need to return to the light that exists within us. So I know that must be the case for you because I know it's the case for everyone else. But specifically for you, Ms. X, the fact that you've been willing to re-entertain masculine energy in your life, that you tried to love again, that you tried to express the best of yourself again, the fact that that is a fact of reality, that is true, that's what happened. That's how you know that you're not gone. And I truly, I'm a uh, utopian in that sense. I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a, I'm a blind, I'm a, I'm a blinded optimist, in which that. The blindfold I wear will always be labeled optimism. I will always believe that everyone has the potential to rectify the pain and the darkness of their lives. That they may all return back to their wholeness. For being whole is not something you must add to. It is something you must return to. It exists within you. It exists within me. It exists within all of us. And whether this belief at the end of your life proves out to be true or not, surely your life would be better off if you believe so. If you chose to live a life in which that you believe, regardless of its literal truth in objective reality, that you are here to learn lessons, you are, and every event that transpires in your life is a lesson for you to learn. You, if you chose to believe that, and so that when you recognize that you were laden down by the pain of the past, attached to the pain of the future, that you chose to work through it and that you chose to apply forgiveness everywhere that you could. You chose to apply compassion towards your condition, that you chose to choose the truth and the beauty and the love of the moment, to see that within yourself, to recognize that in all others. Whether that's true or not in literal reality, but within your metaphorical reality that exists within your mind, 
that you pass out the fact that your ego is that of an unruly beast that must be harnessed for meaningful work. And so I'll do my best in this life to reduce the painful identity of that which my ego loves itself so as to always spend as much time in the primary connection of who I am, the truth of who I am. That is my primary state of operation, mode of operation. And that whether it is going outside when it's not cold, which we've got to fix. We've got to get you outside when it's cold. Many benefits to being cold. Throw you in the ocean. Throw you in the ocean when it's cold. Come down for ocean cold plunge. I love it. Whether it's you painting, whether it's you with your dog, whether it's you with your, your aunt or your grandmother, to not be the ex who holds a vision or an idea of her pain, but to be the ex, the girl who is true and whole, accessing that which is eternal within her. So that's it. That's where we start to bring this to a summary in which that, you know, so that no one can save you. Only you can save you. And I still stand by that, but it's contextual. And the context is this, that there seems to be a threshold with human beings. No one can do the work for you to come to self-realization and a self-understanding of the wholeness that exists within. However, some of us are so deeply broken, damaged, burnt to the point in which that our eyes are no longer functioning, that our eyes are no longer open. You cannot see even the fact that you are broken, that you are damaged. And so then I will make a concession to my overall statement of no one can save you but you, in which that you must, that we can, we can and sometimes must rely upon others and lean upon others to help us see that which we cannot see about ourselves. That is what I have hoped I've been able to do for you here, Miss X. I cannot change you. I cannot fix your life. And neither can anyone else. No one can give you light. No one can give you the love that you desire. No one can give you the acceptance and the validation and inspire the vision in this world of one that you would wish to live in. No one can give that to you. For it all exists within you right now. It's not something you ever lost. What I can give to you is a hour to hour and a half of just raw speaking from the heart through a throat that is cooked. <laughs> Hoping and encouraging you to open up your eyes. Right, to just see the beauty, not only within life, but within the life that exists within you. That's what today's session has been. And for those of you who are also in a similar plate, place of pain, those of you who are in a similar place of pain, please realize that, yeah, you're saving. Your saving is on you. No one else is going to save you but you. I hope that today you came to realize for the first time that you have all the power you need to save you. And with that being said, my friends, I, of course, appreciate Miss X for sending in such raw and explicit musings, details of her life. I'm very grateful. And I will always hold a place in the heart of myself for those of you who are willing to do so and for those of you that aren't willing to do so. You know, you're still with me as well. As well. I know there are many of you that suffer in silence, but you don't need to. 
You can always email me. You can always message me and I'll get to you when I can. You can always work with me deeper in one-on-one coaching if you wish to dive deeper. But, you know, I'm here to do work. I'm here to serve. And I'll hopefully miss X that I served you here. And you can always come back to this session whenever you need to. And just remember that sometimes it can be hard to see when a masculine being has hurt you, how another one could help you. But often I find that what feminine beings need the most is to see a masculine energy that would treat them with honor and respect and love. And there are many out there. I consider most of my clients to be of that nature. So never lose hope. Never lose hope in this world, in humanity. It is a brilliantly large, infinitely large place. There are so many people you do not know of. So many ways of life that we do not know of. You know, I'm 29 years old and I'm only at the beginning. I'm only at the beginning of this journey. And you being a 17-year-old girl, you are only at the beginning of the beginning of this journey. So, do not give up. Life is here for you. And that being said, I wish you all the love, peace, and joy. Ciao. And that brings me to my thanks for all of you. Thank you, first off, for just being here, your presence. But please let me know. Let me know in a comment down below where you are in your lives, how you felt about this, any commentary. I'll do my best to get back as soon as I possibly can. And also, if you did enjoy the content, please hit the thumbs up on the YouTube video. It just helps it get sent out to more people in the community. And if you feel like this would resonate with someone else, please share it to some of your close friends. If you would like to dive into one-on-one coaching, that's all available on boldojo.com. Guided meditation, free resources of wisdom, free weekly on my newsletter, Bold Sip. Just chuck your email in, comes out every Friday. That's all available, all the links down below. And if you would like to support the podcast directly, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link down below or on the website, boldojo.com in the podcast section. Anything that you guys give is always super appreciated. So I thank you very much. Wishing you all the love, peace, and joy in this life.